the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Brian Loritz from Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. When we walk in love with other people, exactly what do we mean? Paul tells us a highly pastoral passage that is incredibly important. Paul says, if you want to know the height and depth of love, here it is. He's going to end by by showing us that those who love boast in the cross. It is as if he's saying there is no clearer picture of love than what Christ did for us on the cross. Hello and welcome to today's Inspired to Live radio broadcast with Brian Loritz, Senior Pastor of Abundant Life Christian Fellowship in Mountain View, California. We are delighted and honored that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles or on your devices if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Brian continues our teaching series through the New Testament book of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Galatians, chapter 6. Now here's Pastor Brian with today's study. Galatians chapter 6, pick me up in verse 1. Guy who wrote this, his name is Paul. Paul says these words. I love it. I'm excited to share this word with you. Paul writes, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, literally, you who are walking in the Spirit, should restore, restore, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is, I love this verse, my favorite verse in the Bible, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Amen. Y'all awake in here today? I'm I'm totally being sarcastic. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God's not mocked for whatever whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we don't give up. So then, verse 10, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. Make note of verse 14. 
But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. But as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. And I love this benediction. Remember, Paul is writing the whole thing on grace. Remember, he's writing to a group of believers who have come to know Jesus Christ. They've, they've received the grace of the gospel. Then after that, these false teachers creep in and they have persuaded them, you must now add to the finished work of Jesus the law. In other words, what really makes you saved, they say, is church attendance or what you wear or, or how many consecutive weeks or months or years of celibacy you've had or, or the fact that you don't do certain things or you do do certain things. Paul writes to say, no, it is all grace. I love it. He begins with grace. He writes completely on grace. And now, verse 18, the last words out of his mouth are grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this. Not so much be with your acts, but may God's grace be with your spirit. May you have a gracious spirit, brothers. Amen. I remember I told you guys a story. When I first met my wife, I was sitting in church. It was... Um, it was one of those old traditional churches where, where the, 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 the pastors and the preachers sat on the pulpit. Anybody ever gone to a church like that with pastors, preachers sitting sit on the pulpit? Well, I was one of those pastors sitting on the pulpit, and um, it was a January day, 1998, a day I shall never forget. I was sitting there in church, minding my own business, trying to sing the songs uh, of Zion, and I looked out on a sea of thousands of people, and it seemed as if a light just shone on one little PYT. One little pretty young thing sitting up in church. She had on this white kind of Spanish shirt on, some black slacks. Girlfriend was looking bad. Messed my worship up. I, I couldn't worship. I was foo. I didn't remember the words to the songs. I was, I was a goner when I saw Sister Corey at the time, Benavides. Afterwards, I, I had to step to her. So I walked to her. I didn't stalk her on Facebook. We didn't have that back then. I didn't social media stalk her. I actually got up the courage, walked to her after church, introduced her, and I said in so many words, my name is Brian Loritz, and she kind of looked at me like I was an insect. <laughs> Brian who? I said, that's okay, sweetheart. You heard the word persistence. That's me. So I, I kept on at it and kept on at it, borderline stalking. I shouldn't say that. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But I, I was persistent. Persistent. I, I kept at it. And finally, she listened to the Holy Spirit and um, <laughs> gave me her phone number. Gave me her phone number. And we started talking and late into the night. And I'm just going to put myself out there. Hopefully, this is a safe place. You know, you know how you do when you're in love. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, no, you hang up. And we did that. There, seriously, we, we had CD players back then. Anybody remember CD players? And we would, we loved this song. We'd press play at the same time. We were in love with each other. 
Well, finally, after about 90 days in, I, I knew, I knew this was the one for me. Unless she is secretly into killing cats, I knew, I just knew this is the girl for me. Uh, so I invited her over. I cooked for her catfish and red beans and rice. It ain't all about preaching with me, y'all. Don't die and go to heaven without having my, my food. You ain't married me for my cooking. But anyways, I, I invited her over and um, had the vibe right. Casey and JoJo were playing. I promise you, I'm losing somebody. I'm losing somebody in here. Had the vibe right at just the perfect moment. I, I said to her, I love you. Let's just say she didn't have that reaction. <laughs> Told her with KC and JoJo on the, on the background, I, I love you. Literally. She goes, <sighs> am, am I lying? Am I putting extras on this? She said, why did you have to say that? I know y'all. It ain't, it ain't nothing but God, we together right now. You, you talk about a record-scratching moment. The vibe was killed. You know, even though my ego was hurt years later, I'm kind of grateful for that response. Even though she maybe could have done it a little bit more of a politically correct way. In essence, what, what my girl was telling me was, those aren't some light words. We just don't throw I love you around. That, that, that when you tell someone I love you, that's a heavy statement. Love is a deep thing. In fact, the Bible actually says the way that you know that you're saved it ain't by the church you go to. It ain't by the size of your Bible. It ain't about how, how high you jump when you shout. It's not about whether or not you speak in tongues. It, it's, it's not whether or not you even serve in ministry. But the way that you know that you're saved, it's by your love. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 this is a heavy statement. John drops the mic on us because he says this, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love, love, love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. A hateful Christian is an oxymoron. An unloving Christian is, is, is hypocrisy. The way that we know that we're saved is we walk in love. One day someone came to Jesus and says, Jesus, what's the, what's the greatest commandment? Now this is a doozy of a question because because the law had 613 do's and don'ts, and this guy is asking, what's the greatest one? Without hesitating, Jesus says, oh, that's easy. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The guy wouldn't finish. He had another question. He asked the question, well, who's my neighbor? 
In Luke chapter 10, Jesus answers that question by telling him a story. It's a story called the Good Samaritan. And in essence, he says in this story, your neighbor is everyone you meet. In fact, I love the story. It's called the Good Samaritan because here you have a member of an ethnically hated group helping the very one who's a part of a group who hated him. In other words, a racist Christian is an oxymoron. If you have written off a whole group of people because of their ethnicity, you are abiding in death, John says. In fact, Paul would say in our text, I want you to fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is really the law of love. We are called to love. And who are we to love? Everyone we meet on one extreme, it is, it is those that we actually get along with and enjoy. That's why Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 5, husbands, love your wives. I love my wife. She is easy to get along with. But on the other hand, we're to also love the unlovable, those who don't treat us right. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus would say it this way, love your enemies. Don't you see the comprehensive call to love? We're to love the lovable and love the unlovable. We're to love those who treat us right and love those who who treat us wrong and harass us. When it comes to love, there is no loophole. But The question on the table is, what does it mean to love? What does it really mean as a Christian to, to walk in love with people? As a Christian, when I say, I love you, that's just not something we put on a Hallmark card. What does it really mean to love? Because the very word love is kind of overused, isn't it? It's sort of like a, sort of like a car with way too much mileage on it. It's, that word love, here it is, it has lost its grammatical equity. So we use it just... All kinds of ways. We love hamburgers. We love turkey burgers. We love kale salads. You love kale salads. We love sunsets. We love the 49ers. We love the Las Vegas Raiders. Did you see what I did there, Brother Carlton? Did you see that? Did you see that? See ya. Enjoy it one more time. They out of here. Praise the Lord. Do a search on, on love songs. Just look at all the songs that use the word love in it. Love train. OJs. People all over the world. Love child. There's Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. Just... Just look at the, the artists who have sung songs with the word love in it. And from, from Nat King Cole to Kendrick Lamar. Love, love, love. But, but what does it really mean to love? When we say that, when we say I love you, when, when, when we walk in love with other people, exactly what do we mean? Paul tells us 
And a highly pastoral passage that is incredibly important. Paul says, if you want to know the height and depth of love, here it is. He's going to end by by showing us that those who love boast in the cross. It is as if he's saying there is no clearer picture of love than what Christ did for us on the cross. But he's going to begin by saying that love does the inconvenient. He's going to also tell us that love does not consume. Love doesn't take. Love gives. First, love does the inconvenient. Paul, in verse 1 of our passage, says this, Listen, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. It's very important. Some of you are sitting here today, and you, don't, you, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. You're, you're here, and I'm, I'm grateful that you're here. You're, you're seeking out, what is this thing called the church? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? I, I, I love it, but in our text, Paul says, listen, I, I, I want to I give you three implications of what the church and the Christian family of God is to be about. Implication number one, this is not a perfect place. Paul, in writing to a group of believers, tells them, if anyone is caught in any transgression, underline that word transgression, it means sin. In other words, the church is not a sterile environment. You are sitting next to a sinner. And they are sitting next to you. A sinner. All of us up in here, up in here, from the man on the stage to the last person in the last seat, we are sinners. We are spiritually sick people in need of a Savior. We walked in here today with brokenness, with issues, with addictions, with with broken places in our lives. And I love this. Paul is writing to a place that assumes sin. Watch it now. And it also assumes authenticity. They are aware of people's transgressions. They are aware of people's sins. Listen, I don't have time to spend 90 minutes or so on a Sunday morning being fake. Hopefully you're sitting in your growth groups and you're able to just hash out the brokenness and the issues in your life. That's what the church assumes. I got a buddy of mine. He flies southwest all the time. And um, he's got a problem. His problem is he's an uber introvert who doesn't like sitting next to people, but he flies an airline that does open seating. So in order to solve this, whenever he flies southwest, he puts on a surgical mask. Puts this bad boy on, feeling completely fine. Covers his mouth, covers his nose. And he says, nine times out of ten, no one ever sits next to me. No one ever does. He says it's beautiful. He says a lot of times I get the whole road of myself. But what is he saying here? At the end of the day, he's saying what you and I already know. People don't like being around sick folk. And what's true in the natural is true in the spiritual. We don't like being around people and their brokenness. We don't like being around needy people. We don't like hanging around people with their issues. We, 
We want to live a life in which I am not encumbered, I'm not bothered, I'm not weighed down by your stuff. Paul says that's not the church. Implication number one, the church is a place for sick folk. In fact, Jesus would say this way in Luke chapter 5, it is not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. I have come for the sick. Now flip side, let me say this. Second implication, the church should be a place of healing and restoration. He says... Brothers, if any of you is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, who are spiritual, that is, living according to the Spirit, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. That word restore, I love it. It was a medical term that was used back then of a person who had broken a bone in their body to describe the painful process of setting that bone back in place. Love it. The church is a place for broken people. And as such, we should be known for being a people who restores and heals the broken. Tragically, the church gets an F for restoration and an A for kicking people to the curb. My assumption here is that abundant life will be a place where people from all walks of life can come. All across the continuum, who come with all of their struggles, all of their idiosyncrasies, but let me say this, yes, we want you here, yes, I need to be here, yes, we need to be walking with one another and working towards restoration, but the implication is you get better. In other words, the church is a hospital, but as a hospital, you don't take a 30-year mortgage out on a hospital bed. At some point, you got to do what Jesus said, take up your mat and go, which means you're better now. I just want to say a word. Some of you, your self-esteem is based on your brokenness. That's how you get sympathy from other people. And every time someone asks you how you're doing, it's all, oh, pray for me. It's a bad day. Next week, pray for me, bad week. Next week, pray for me, bad week. Next week, pray. Okay, okay, okay. But at what point are you getting better? Third implication is watch this now. Here's a church, broken people being restored, but watch it. We are living in close enough proximity with each other to be restored and to restore. I've got to say this, so many times I've seen broken people who get caught up in sin within the local church, and as soon as their sin is known, they tuck tail and run and leave the church in shame, and it's not that they've been pushed out, they didn't have the humility to let other people help them. It takes humility to say, my marriage ain't going well, I need you to help me. It takes humility to say, I've got this addiction that has gotten the best of me, and it's out there, and it's a punch to my reputation. Help! But oftentimes, folk get caught in sin. They have way too much pride to hang around and let people love on them. Let me tell you, one of the 
strongest indicator lights of arrogance is to be in need and refuse other people's help. That's arrogance. But on the other side of the table, watch it now. It means that I'm walking close enough with people that I'm willing to come alongside of them and walk with them through their struggles. This is exactly what Paul gets to in verse, 10, in verse 2 when he says, bear one another's burdens. It's a command. This idea of burden, it was used of a, of a soldier with a pack. And his pack had gotten heavy and maybe had been wounded in battle. He literally can't carry it. Another soldier close to him sees him languishing under the load and he says, let me help you. I will carry your pack. Which means I'm going to carry my own load and add to my own load your load. Pastor Brian Loritz with today's Inspired to Live radio broadcast. We truly want to thank you for spending time with us today studying God's Word. If you'd like more information on Pastor Brian or on Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, here's how you can contact us. Our mailing address is 2440 Leghorn Street in Mountain View, California, 94043. Our Information Center phone number is area code 650-210-9340. And of course, you can look us up on the World Wide Web at alcf.net, where you'll find multiple links with information about our church and our staff, a calendar of upcoming ALCF events, and if you're in the Mountain View area, on Sunday morning, our worship service begins at 10 a.m., and we would love for you to join us. Again, for more information on this and everything else happening here at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, just visit our website at alcf.net. Well, we hope you'll join us again next time as Pastor Brian continues to lead us through a study of God's Word. But until then, it is our hope and prayer from everyone here at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.